Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Uh, we're going to practice just in a moment, give you, before Stu comes up and speaks today, we're going to give you a moment. Wow, so excited. So excited. Uh, to prepare your hearts in solitude and silence, that's contrary to what we just felt there, <laughs> but we're all excited. Um, so let's pray together. Uh, let's practice the rule of life and just exhale any anxious thoughts, worries, fears, bring it to the feet of the Lord and laid at his feet, for he's on the throne. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. And inhale the transcending peace of God, his presence, and his future and hope for you. You know, this is something you can practice right in the morning every day. It takes literally one minute as you wake up. Rather than going to the phone, because rituals inform who we become. And a lot of times what we end up doing is worshiping the news or the screens rather than glorifying the creator. So we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people say, Amen. So today, Stu still will be speaking for us. Uh, he's a lieutenant in the court system, uh, court officer right here in Manhattan in Chinatown. Um, Stu's been a member like forever. Uh, he's an OG. He is really a, a man after God's heart, a man of character. He's been a helping hand for our starting from the very genesis of our church. And he'll be speaking more in the next uh, few months with other speakers I'll be invited to speak uh, and let's just welcome him warmly uh, today for the word as he comes right now um, I do not know how in the blue hack I'm gonna live up to that intro but we're gonna try uh, and we're gonna try starting with a little bit of congregation participation I've got three questions for you guys and when I ask them I want you to turn to your neighbor don't think about it don't process it just give them your instant answer you guys ready set here we go first question where are we gonna eat for lunch after church Okay. All right, well, I'm going to cut that one off because we'll be here for old. Second question. Between you and your neighbor, who went to the better school? Okay, all right, all right. We're having a little too much fun with this. This is the one where it gets really, really difficult. Who is the GOAT? Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, or LeBron James? <laughs> All right, now, in those three questions, how many of you guys agreed with your neighbor 100% on everything you said? Nobody, right? 
How many of you guys had a little bit of, we're going to agree to disagree on this, you know, whatever, you do you, that's fine. How many of you guys, especially when you got to that third question, either said, yo, I don't even know you, I don't want to know you, you are totally wrong, or you just said, like I would say, I really kind of don't care about basketball. Um, we are always going to have differences of opinion. We're always going to have these fun little questions that we ask each other, and we're going to get differences of opinion. But the last question I have for you guys, and this one's kind of rhetorical, is does it really matter in the long run? Does it really affect the relationship that we're going to have with our neighbors? Like I said, we're always going to have disagreements and uh, differences of opinions, and that's okay. We are a beautifully diverse community, and that's a good thing to have lots of differences, as long as we keep it in a bit of perspective, because some of these differences, yes, they may be important in the grand scheme of things, but they may not be the most important thing in our lives. We need to navigate these differences and give them the right amount of focus, not too much, not too little. And if we don't do that, if we let these differences get too much importance in our life, they can stop being things that we talk about to further life and our relationship and they start to become a defining factor about ourselves or they start to become a dividing wedge where we start to separate because of our differences between us and them because they don't ever want to be one of them, right? Last week, Doc was talking about um, our dual nature, uh, how we have our default nature with the acts of the flesh. And when Paul talks about that in uh, Galatians 5, he mentions factions and um, dissent, the ways that we split from one another and we split within community. The good news of the gospel is that we have a new nature that is that by living in the fruit of the spirit, where we come together as community, where we focus on things that are bigger than our differences from one another. And that's what I'd like to talk about today. How we can build a community that unites in spite of all of our differences. And for that, we're gonna turn to uh, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. Um, and this is a very old city. This is a very well-established city. This is a city that has been in existence since well before the Greeks and the Romans ever became world powers. So it's a very well-established city. And when Paul is writing to the church uh, in Colossae, he's writing to a community that has also had a Jewish community for hundreds of years. So you have a very, very diverse community that has come together. And as what happens in many of these diverse communities, especially in antiquity, you have a thing called Hellenization, where certain Greek traditions and traits and lines of thought and languages start to infiltrate and become part of other um, communities, become part of other cultures. And a lot of historians believe that the same thing happened in reverse. As they started putting Greek traits into all of these other communities and cultures, some of those cultures, their habits, their ways of life would invade I keep saying invade, and I don't want to make it sound like it's a bad thing, but they would become a part of those other cultures. And Paul is writing to this church in order to prevent a lot of these different habits, these different ways of thought, these different philosophies from getting too much of a prominence within the church. He doesn't want this to become more important than the gospel that's been preached to him because his whole focus is the supremacy of Christ. It is the authority of Christ. Um, over all things. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly 
things, he says. He calls these things, he calls out these different traditions earlier in his letter, and he makes mention of them. They're things like festivals, they're things like dietary restrictions, things that you should taste or not taste or touch, or this, that, the other thing. And he doesn't explicitly call any of them sinful. He doesn't say that these are horrible, awful, terrible things that you should never, ever do, but he wants to keep them in perspective. He says that they're human things, human traditions, earthly things. He calls them a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. And for Paul, his, he has some experience in seeing what is the most important things in faith. Paul, we all know him as the, uh, as the apostles of the Gentiles, but in reality, he started out as a Jew's Jew. He started out as a Pharisee among Pharisees. When he writes to uh, uh, the church in Philippi, in uh, Philippians, he says... Pretty much his resume of how he did things right, how he did all the things that the law kind of required, and yet at the end he says, I count all of this as garbage for the sake of knowing Christ, because that was the more important thing for him. And he actually butted heads with some of the other apostles and some other believers because he wanted to make sure that for the Gentile believers, there weren't extra things being heaped on top of them that didn't have to do with their relationship with Christ. For example, he was one of the people that was strongly against forcing Gentiles to be circumcised. And that was a big deal for a lot of the uh, Gentile believers. And yet at the same time, even though he championed that cause, there were times where he still said, you know what, maybe in some circumstances, this is okay. It's not a sinful thing. It's not a necessity. It's just a thing that is secondary to Christ because it's all about that. And in verse 11, he says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now, for all of us here in New York, we're in kind of a similar circumstance. We come from places both local and global. If you went around in this room, how many languages do you guys think that we speak? Because like, we are a very diverse community that comes from all over the place. And in spite of all of those differences, and there's more than, than I'm talking about there, there's plenty of differences. But in spite of all of those differences, we've come together for the most important thing, because here we have found the most important thing. We found that relationship with Christ. We found that relationship as brothers and sisters sitting at Christ's feet. Um, that's where, it's where we found commonality in Christ and where we found that we all need the same things. We're all in need of a savior. We're all in need of community. We're all in need of a place to grow and to know others and be known by others, to love and to be loved. And we find that as brothers and sisters at Christ's feet. We talked, uh, Mignon talked about uh, in announcements how we're doing a retreat coming up. And I want to tell a little story about one of my favorite retreats. And I love retreats. Like last week when I came up here, I was probably a little too hard on the hype train, you guys thought. But honestly, I really do love the retreats because they're so much fun. Uh, we get a lot of great stories that come out from them, even some that are a little bit more stranger than others, like whose car broke down or got impounded on the way to the <laughs> retreat, which was a thing. Um, but even in the midst of crazy stories like that, it brings room for conversation, for relationship to grow where you wouldn't expect it. And uh, one of my favorite retreats, one of my favorite stories from a retreat was probably about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, we were at a baptism retreat 
and there was a hot tub there. And I think we wedged about, I don't know, like eight or 10 of us all in one hot tub together. And this hot tub was not meant to have that many people. And even though, you know, 10 years ago, we we're all a little bit slimmer, not everybody was married, you know, it still wasn't working. And it looked absolutely ridiculous. And I know it looked ridiculous because one person came around the corner, saw all of us and said, man, I'll never forget exactly how he said it. Man, this is a sight. Bunch of Asian guys and a white dude in a hot tub. <laughs> and do you know what my first thought, I swear to God, may he strike me down with lightning if I'm lying. My first thought in that moment was, oh yeah, that's right, I am white. <laughs> because that wasn't, that wasn't anywhere in my thought process at that point. My thought process is we are a bunch of brothers in Christ in a hot tub. <laughs> there was no uh, Greek or Jew there. There was no slave or free there. There was no pastor or banker or doctor or officer. There was no Korean or Chinese or Irish. We were all there, one in Christ Jesus. And that overarching sense of community gathered at Christ's feet, wedged all together in a hot tub. <laughs> So my first point is this, if we can put that up. Our differences aren't as important as what unites us together in Christ. And this is not to say that we're not going to have differences. This is not to say that we're not going to step on each other's toes. This is not to say that we're going to have impassioned discussions about things that really do matter. But there are some differences that are real and do matter, and some that don't matter as much and especially don't matter as much as our relationship together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we are such a diverse community. We are a beautiful mosaic that comes together from so many different walks of life, so many different places, so many different circumstances. But we all come together to make this a beautiful place together as one in that body of Christ. And that's bigger than any difference that we have. So my question for you guys is, where do we need to see beyond our differences and recognize our more important similarities with one another? Where are we letting those differences get in the way of our relationship in community? And I ask that very pointedly because pretty much we're in a very interesting place in our world today. If we can uh, go down to the next slide. Um, the sad truth of the matter is that a lot of times we do let our differences become very important. We do let them become points of contention. We do let them become points where we separate ourselves from others. We have all kinds of differences, differences in philosophy, differences in values, whether it's political, whether it's racial, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's Apple versus iPhone. That one doesn't count. But um, of course, it doesn't matter to have one iPhone. This is what happens when I go off script. <laughs> but there are a lot of differences that are very important, but we make them so important that, again, we start to separate ourselves and we give into that default nature. And when we do that, what do we do? Do we start to lash out at the people that are different than us? Do we start to ignore the people that are different than us? Do we start to pull away from those people? It's really important how we treat one another in spite of those differences. And the New Testament is full of places where God is telling us to be reconciled to one another. And it's not just for sinful things. 
It's also in just general quarreling and disagreements and things like that, where we are to be reconciled to one another. God's heart is for reconciliation. So what I want to do right now is I want to share a couple of more stories. And I actually don't want to do this because it's extraordinarily vulnerable. And nobody here likes being vulnerable, right? <laughs> so first story, many of you guys probably already know this about these, me especially, the guys that have been around here for a while. I grew up Irish Catholic with a little bit of English Protestant family. It was a very conservative family. And so politics was a thing in my family. I do tend to lean right of center. I used to be a lot worse, and I have used to be an obnoxious mother effer. I am, yeah. Some of the people here will tell you. Joe is laughing because he's part of this story. I used to be terrible about this, but he was one of the people that actually kind of came to me in grace and kindness and started to let me in on, like, this is starting to become an idol in your life. This is starting to become a point where it's becoming bigger than your relationship with Christ and your witness to Christ, and it's starting to affect your relationship with others. And I am so thankful for that, for that graceful conversation that helped me see that. Now, politics is still a struggle. I'm sure it is for a lot of people, especially nowadays, where I think calling politics contentious is the understatement of the century. Um, and again, I still struggle with it, but it's a struggle that I welcome because I want to represent Christ first. Don't always get it right, but that's what I want to do. Second thing I want to talk about is, um, as Doc said, I do work in law enforcement. I'm about halfway through my career. I'm about 15 years away from retiring. And I have seen some ups and I have seen some downs, both personally and professionally. And as much as I can say, and I get it, we are not the most popular people right now. A lot of that is for good reason. Some of it I may disagree with, but I get it. There's actually like a point where a couple of months ago, Sean and I were hanging out at a day in the sun and we're goofing around and all of a sudden, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, officer. And I'm like, dude, keep that on the DL. It, it's funny to say in, in the aftermath, but at the moment, actually, actually, it wasn't. Um, and I also get my positionality right here. Yes, I am coming before you guys as a brother in Christ. I'm not oblivious to the fact that I am a white officer as well. And again, there's a lot that comes with that, a lot that people think comes with that, good and bad. And it's something that I've felt both inside the church and outside of the church. Like outside of the church, I get it. I've had a time where somebody pointed out to me and said, and now you're bringing the scary white officer in. And I was like, well, I don't think I'm that scary. <laughs> but I get it. Um, but again, I've also had this feeling sometimes from people I've been in relationship with, people that I've had friendships with. Sometimes I've had to ask that question, do people see me? Do they see Stu? Do they see the guy that's, that does announcement and lugs stuff around? Or do they see the evil face of systemic racism and oppression? 
And that's a hard question to wrestle with sometimes. So what did I do, especially in the last few years? I tended to withdraw. I tended to back off. I tended to bottle things up. And if there were some Sundays where it seemed like, dude, where did Stu go? He was just here two seconds ago. And I just bounced. Chances are it was because I was dealing with some of that friction. And as we all know, when, what happens when you bottle things up, eventually they come exploding to the surface. And that did happen in a small group. Again, Joe was part of that. And he was a very <laughs> instrumental part of it in a good way. I'm not saying in a bad way in any way, shape, or form. Sorry to be picking on you today, Joe. But I'm actually singing your praises because he was one of you know just the entire group that we started conversations about fears and concerns, viewpoints, and everything like that. And it started with kind, gentle conversations. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now, I'm not trying to really bring a discussion about policing in the U.S. because I ain't going to touch that thing with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I am not trying to change anybody's opinion on anything. All I'm talking about is the kind of rhetoric that we have sometimes, and especially over the last year during the pandemic, where it's harder to have Heck, it's harder to have a conversation with people just because of lockdowns and separation, social distance and all of that stuff. But then we more see the social media hot takes and it's less about having a conversation and it's more about dodging the flaming grenades of hot takes. And I am not, you know, innocent of that myself. I have been guilty of that as well. I have fallen into that default nature as well. But Christ calls us out. He calls us into something much, much better. That's how we preserve community when differences pop up, especially the heated ones. We talk. We come to each other in gentleness and kindness and compassion. So this is my second point, and it's a little bit of a warning. How do we keep a community of unity in spite of our differences? If we let our differences define and divide us, we run the risk of losing we can lose community if we shut people out that we feel are different. We can lose community if we start to withdraw because we feel that our differences are just so insurmountable. And the question for all of us, myself very much included in this, is where are we letting our differences, even our perceived differences, get in the way of building community? Who do we need to talk with rather than talk at? Now, I don't want to leave the sermon on a hard note like that. I don't want to leave it on a down note. So I have one last story to tell about what a community of differences coming together can look like. And again, it goes way back to the OG days that Dr. Sammy was uh, alluding to uh, when the church was small enough where we could all fit together at Hometown Buffet. And Hometown was a great 
time to go because the food was good and it was plentiful. And if you ever had any need, if your plate ran dry or if you saw something on somebody else's plate that looked really good, you could go up and you could get some more of that. But I was not aware of some of the different eating habits that some people in this community had. And so while I am eating on my plate, all of a sudden a fork comes in, scoops up some of my mashed potatoes, and a certain Dr. Sammy was like, oh, these are good, yum. And I must have shot him some dirty look like, dude, you do not do that to another man's plate. It was our first instance of cross-cultural miscommunication. But as I did not let this thing become a giant thing, because it's just mashed potatoes, as I stayed in the community and as I grew in Christ and as we grew as friends and everything, started to say, you know what? Ain't so bad. So a couple of months later, boom. <laughs> and when he looked at me, he had the nerve to look at me like, what am I doing? All I said to him, what did I say, Doc? If you can't beat them, join them. You know, our differences don't have to take away from community. They can build in community. They can be something that adds to our life in community. Even if there are people in this room that we may think and say, man, I just don't know. That is a serious difference there. Maybe we can engage with those people and those differences, and it can make our lives all the richer. Our lives personally, our lives professionally, and most certainly our lives in Christ and in community at Christ's feet. Maybe it's time we start sampling some of those differences. You may find them as tasty as Doc found my mashed potatoes. And I found his mashed potatoes. So would you guys stand with me and pray? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this wonderful, beautiful community that comes together in spite of all of the things where we are different, in spite of all of the viewpoints and the histories that we have, Lord, we come together for the most important thing, and that is to be known as your sons and daughters and to sit at your feet. Father, I pray, God, that you would impress that on our hearts and make that the focus of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God we forced him, I mean, sent him to seminary. <laughs> you know, um, for many years, I asked my wife, because my wife grew up in Staten Island, and I grew up in Manhattan. And when I was 18, 19, I moved to Staten Island while going to college, doing youth ministry. And I asked God, God, why Staten Island? <laughs> like, why would you stay? Like, the, the Mecca is Manhattan. I grew up here. I'm, I think I'm the only pastor I know that grew up in Manhattan, in Manhattan. And like, God, why is that not? Well, and God said, this is exactly where I want you to be. Really? You sure? There's a dump near my house. <laughs> this is exactly who I want you to become. And this is exactly where I need you to be right now. I didn't understand it until 2016 that New York City is actually insular. Manhattan is insular. The way we vote shows that. It's better for me to understand the country if I want to unite the country. Right? My, some of my friends worked at Trump's White House. Uh, 
and a lot of contention. But today's message, I think, is specifically important because if we want, if you want to have the audacity to complain about the politics of this nation, then you can't just be a person that vents about it. You have to become a leader that changes the systemic things. But we can't do that unless we're having conversations. But we had some conversations that were very helpful. And because this, I, I met someone like Stu, who we sent to seminary, forced or sent, one of them. But, um, but like for example, when I wrote my national piece at CT on Asian hate, one of the sentences I wrote, because I know Stu personally, is not anecdotal, I actually know his character. I said, Perhaps people are attacking Asian lives in broad daylight. And uh, would Black Lives Matter? Law enforcement are attacking Black lives. But I use sometimes, the word sometimes, because it's sometimes with media, we have this way of making it hyperbolic, right? Like it's anecdotally true when we have a person right here who's a man of God his character who is in our community and that's why God did that and so the whole idea of this passage is growing in mental complexity so how are we going to change the country if we want everybody just to agree with us you can have unity without uniformity this is what the text is talking about but if we if we could only have unity with uniformity that's extremism. That's not diversity. That's not democracy. That's tyrannical. And we've seen that play out in history, and it doesn't work. So my challenge for us this week is let's have the room in our hearts to really befriend someone that disagrees with us and have difficult conversations. That's the only way we're going to grow. The funny thing is, when we talked about defunding the police, New York City, as a referendum, selected a police officer, a former police officer, as most likely the mayor of New York City. And in the height of Asian hate, do we still believe in that ideology? Because things are really hyperbolic right now. So let's lower the temperature. And let's have conversations together and let's see the love of Christ in each other. That's why I think this is a pivotal, paramount message and text for all of us in Manhattan. Because that's the only way change is going to happen. Because these factions and divisions happen all the time. So let's pray together right now. So will you lift your hands to the Lord today? Will you pray that we become a light in this city? We don't create greater division. Because let me tell you right now, both the media are using the vehicle of empathy to make money. And I'm going to teach about that next week in our series, Fruit of the Spirit. Empathy is not what people think. It's not living in someone's shoes. It's actually understanding what's under someone's skin and actually can be destructive taking advantage of it. Let's pray that Christ would influence us right now. 
and the Holy Spirit would lead us in unity. Let's make this song our prayer. Father, we come before you this afternoon. We thank you for this word. We thank you for this passage that informs us. Before God, we judge the world. The Bible tells us, Paul says, we need to judge the house of God first. Now, we can't have unity without uniformity in the church. Then it's impossible in the world. I mean, you're only one hour at church and you're literally 24 hours a day, seven, six days a week, you're consuming media content. So who's going to win? What prevailing news is going to shape the mind of God's people? So we're really fighting from a deficit. So one of the things I suggest is before consuming content in the morning, practice the rule of life. Begin to integrate it into your life. Before letting any news channel, because you, you're aware, right, that they actually charge money and advertisers make money from the content they sell you. The New York Times isn't free. The Wall Street Journal isn't free. The news isn't free. It's a lucrative business. And I think this is a good call 
to allow scripture to inform us and conversations to inform us. And one of the things we're going to be doing at the retreat is what Harvard Law and Harvard Business uses to inform their classes. And that's why they're the best leaders in the world. It's called the case method. The case method is used in the selection process is highly selective because your peers, the people in that community, that cohort, is who form the leader. And they choose from diverse audiences so that everyone can have a well-rounded formation in globalization, in diversity, in opinion. And the professor barely teaches. Sometimes they say that the teacher is getting money for nothing. They just do hot takes and have people literally talk for three hours in class. This is the case method. It's the best form of creating the best leaders in the world. It's not through lecture, right? So think about how 180 flourished during the pandemic when a lot of churches closed. Why? Because we emphasize that communal peace. Let's keep doing that, that rhythm. How many people make their beds every morning before they go to work? Yeah, you weird people, right? I mean, I'm one of those people like, why make the bed if you're, it's going to get messed up again? But some people go, well, because I love the bed. Some people, you know, actually did a study on this. They make their beds at night before they go to sleep. They feel like it's, I'm like, are you weird? Weird. I get it in the morning. But it's a ritual of something that you do every day. It's in the, the power of change is in the mundane. And the conversations we have, guys, as we gather over Zoom or live, is what's going to form you the most. Trust the person next to you in your community more than some pundit you know on TV. Let's be an example of that in this city where Christ's love dwells and conquers all. Let's pray together. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, amen. God bless you. Go in peace. My name is Minyoung. I'm a member here at 1AU Church, and we're so glad that you were able to attend today's service with us. Um, there are a few community news that I'd like to share with you all. The first announcement is about our tithes and offering. We want to remind all of our members here at 1AU Church to keep God in the center of your life, which includes your finances. You guys can do so through the online payment method shown on the screen. You can give through Venmo at Church 180, Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv, or if PayPal is your preferred method of giving, you can head over to our website at 180church.tv where there is a link to donate through PayPal. Our next announcement is about our prayer text hotline at 180church, which is available on text at 5397prayer and also via email at prayer at 180church.tv. This is a resource for everybody and especially during this difficult time where we need some prayer and support, there is a prayer team that's ready to help you and to pray for all the requests that you may have. Um, if your prayers have been answered, you can also share them on the text hotline and we can celebrate the good news together. 
Next up is about small groups at 180 Church. These are smaller pockets of our community that meet on a weekly basis where we can dive a little bit deeper into the word and share how the message from that Sunday uh, spoke to us. We have a few different groups that are all meeting virtually now. And if you're not currently connected with a group, you can reach out to Pastor Billy at the email shown on the screen and he can get you plugged in into a group for you. On the topic of community, we also have a number of different social media handles and channels where you can follow us, like us, and love us during the week. We have a Tumblr page at 180BRG where we post a chapter of the Bible a day so you can read through the Bible with us. We also have a Facebook page at 180 Church. Dr. Sammy, our head pastor here at 180 Church, has a Twitter handle at Dr. Sammy Kim. We also have a YouTube channel at 180 Church NYC, where I'm sure most of you guys are watching us right now. And we also have two different Instagram pages at 180 Church and also at 180BRG, where there are really encouraging posts and verses that get shared there. So I hope you guys will follow us there and be encouraged. We also have the 180 Church podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends, where you can tune into a conversation and a dialogue that goes into goes into the word a little bit deeper with Pastor Lydia and Joe Wu, who's a member of our community here. It's always a great time just listening to them um, converse about how the message has spoke to them and has impacted them, and you can see how it can do the same for you. We also have a virtual 180 cafe on the Discord app where you guys can come hang out at any time in different groups on different channels. And it's an easy way to stay connected with the community and also check in with one another. As you might have seen on our social media channels, we launched a care package delivery service called 180 Cares. And this is a great way to um, show appreciation and love to the people in our lives that, mean, that may need some encouragement. If you'd like to send one of these boxes or just want to learn more, you can go check out our website at 180church.tv slash 180cares. And lastly, if you've been blessed by our Sunday worship led by Pastor Lydia, you can visit the 180 Church Studios on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Here you'll find a playlist of all the worship songs we've featured every Sunday, and it's perfect for when you want to immerse yourself in worship during the week. That's all of our community news. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us this Sunday, and we hope to see you again soon. Bye.